stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach Stock Strategist and our resident auto expert, Dave Bartosiak, to talk about the auto stocks, what's going on in the industry, if any of these stocks are deals, which ones you should be buying or not buying, what happens if you are looking for a car, can you get one now? There's a lot going on. We've covered the auto industry before, Dave and I, and I have to say, Dave, it it feels uh, a little even crazier than when we covered it earlier this year in 2021. I, I don't know if that's because of the actual uh, production shutdowns now over the semiconductor shortage is starting to hit um, because I would have thought that it would be, you know, the the endless buying of autos would kind of be done now. Like how many how many people need a, a car at this point? But apparently they still do because <laughs> sales are still elevated. Everything is still tight. And, uh, you know, it's a good time to be an auto dealer still. So so where should we even begin, Dave? Like, should we start with with the manufacturing side and what's going on there? What What is happening with the semiconductor shortage? Yeah, it's really been a perfect storm here. First, you have the semiconductor shortage. That's not a news story. We've been talking about this ad nauseum for months. Everybody knew it was coming, especially the car dealer, the car manufacturers, rather. And they were scrambling to find sources for chips for months. Uh, individually, they, they, some of them were very successful, while others were not. And, but I think what's happening is, uh, you know, eventually it's just kind of working itself through the system. And pretty much all of them are going to be affected. Even the ones who thought that they had supply lockdown for a very long time, it turns out they just don't. I mean, Toyota just announced that they're finally uh, about to be hit by this thing and they could lose up to 360,000 vehicles globally um, due to this this shortage just on their end. Uh, Ford has been talking about a workaround of maybe shipping unfinished vehicles to the dealers. And then when the chips come, then they'll just have the dealers go ahead and plug in the, the remainder of the chips uh, you had, you know, Jeep just announced that they, they can't make the, I think it's the Gladiator, the really popular um, smaller SUV of theirs. So it's it, it's it's really tough from that perspective. But then you also have this huge shift where folks were moving out of the cities. And because we can all work from home now and with Zoom meetings and Skype calls, they uh, went ahead and moved to rural areas where now all of a sudden you need a car where you didn't need one before. So now you've introduced a demand side equation and and then sprinkle into the fact that, you know, this whole rental car situation that happened where you used to have these, um, you know, an, an, an alternative where you could just go to Enterprise and rent a car and maybe you don't have to buy a car. So that's gone away uh, or at least been affected a lot. They don't have nearly the fleet that they used to have. So it's this perfect storm that's happening, and it is really tough for uh, consumers to find a good deal on a car now. Yeah, I've really seen the difference, uh, as you were just commenting, with people who have moved. 
if you moved out of that urban environment, you don't even need to go to a rural environment. I had a friend who just moved from the city of Chicago to the suburbs and a further, slightly further out suburbs. So there wasn't, you know, there's no L access to the subway or anything out there. And uh, within two weeks of moving out there, she immediately bought a car. (laughs) She basically was like, "Um, I had to buy a car. I was going crazy. They had one car in the family, but they have kids and everything. And she's like, we couldn't do it on the one car. So they had to rush out and buy a second one. So yeah, we're seeing all these changes in like trends and things. But I also still think, especially with the Delta outbreak with this new variant, that people are still reluctant somewhat to take public transportation still. And they still want to be in control of their own like driving destiny. And that means, you know, for those who were before taking the subways, and whatnot, they they do still want that car. Yes, that's definitely been um, something that's happened post-pandemic. I mean, not just a car, you know, think about it, you're not, rather than take a plane, you're, you're gonna take your car and go on a road trip if you're gonna go somewhere. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and you know, instead of going on cruises, people are buying RVs. Like demand for RVs and boats is still through the roof right now. Yeah. Because of that shift in, in just the behavior so you have all these huge economic shifts taking place all at the same time. And as a result, we're getting you know pressure on these, these car prices. Okay, so where does that leave investors in some of the manufacturers? Let's start with those because I get asked this question a lot about GM and Ford in particular, because those are the two cheapest, the, the most widely known of the automakers, I feel. And a lot of the value buyers look at look at how cheap they are. So GM is trading at 8.2 times forward. Ford is at eight times. They've come down off their highs now. So both are down about 15, 16% over the last three months. So is this a buying opportunity in some of the old classic names? I own GM in the value investor, but we're getting beat up pretty good on it right here. Um, Is that where people should be starting? And we'll leave like Tesla kind of out of the conversation. And then there's Ferrari too, which, um, you know, is popular as well. But these are the two cheapest. Yeah, I, something about these auto manufacturers. I mean, I've been asked this question for 15 years. Right. You know, Ford and GM and is now the time, is now the time. And the answer has just been no, the whole time. Right. I until so this year I was at Amelia Island for the Concourse d'Elegance and uh, I got into a discussion at the bar with with somebody about, hey, is now the time to buy Ford? And I gave him the same crooked face that I give everybody when they ask me, is now the time to buy Ford? And uh, I just said no. And for a while there, I looked pretty stupid because Ford had a nice little rally here, you know, getting up to 16 bucks. But now it's rolled over again. For a while, it almost became a meme name because of what they were doing with the Mach E and their electric cars, the you know the new uh, Lightning uh, pickup truck that's coming out. But I think what people realized is that's you know a small part of their business right now, and the reason why the the Teslas of the world have taken off so much is because they're not car companies. You know, it's it's an entire trans, it's an entire transportation ecosystem play. So until you know, Ford and GM and some of the more traditional auto manufacturers can show us that it's more than just a hunk of metal that they're pounding out. 
and that they have some sort of infrastructure and ecosystem that could really power the next generation, I don't think you're going to get valuations, you know, much richer than than what we're seeing now. And even with Ford, the like Ford and GM, uh, while those stock prices have come down, uh, well, Ford's estimates, their earnings estimates continue to tick up for uh, 2021 and 2022, while GM has has rolled over a little bit. But, you, you know, you have the divergence in Ford between the, the earnings estimates and the price. But it, there's not really, to me, a, a huge compelling reason why Ford should be, you know, expanding that multiple and, and pushing higher. I'm just not not seeing it. And the proof is in the pudding because the stock's at 12. And, you know, if you look back, you know, years and years, it's been in these sort of low teens or lower forever. So you're not buying into the story of the electric vehicle transformation of these old names. Like even you could put Toyota in there too. So sure. you're not you're not buying into that this is the big turnaround everybody's been waiting for. You know, they're make, gonna make the big push into EV and it's gonna transform them. Well, it can transform the company, but it's not gonna make the stock any better. Okay. I mean, if, if they stop, producing internal combustion engines altogether and are only producing electric cars and they're making the same amount of cars with the same margins, then who cares if it's electric or not? Okay. Or it's hydrogen or it's whatever. Yeah. You know, of course for the environment, you know, we think it's a good thing. But in terms of the stock price, I don't think it's gonna make much of a difference. Okay. Let's switch over to some of the hotter names then, like Ferrari, ticker is RACE, R-A-C-E. They're trading at 46 times, and those shares are actually up 5% in the last three months. What's your take take on this one? I know you've liked them over the last couple of years when we've done this podcast, but what do, what do you feel about them going forward here? So I'm, I'm intimately involved with Ferrari. I'm... Uh... Uh, you you can see me at their challenge races every time I get a chance. I, I go and I hang out um, with with Ferrari and Ferrari North America, so I, I know them pretty well. Uh, the big thing with Ferrari is that they are expanding their production, expanding their product line, and walking that very fine line between keeping it an ultra exclusive product and watering it down too much. So what they've been able to do is they've been able to introduce models like the new Roma, which is a, a, a two plus two touring vehicle. They have the 296 GTB, which is like a very lightweight, smaller entry level Ferrari. So they have these cars that appeal to, I'm not going to say to the masses, but to, to people, if, if you're looking at a very high end Mercedes, or you're looking at an Aston Martin or a high-end BMW or something like that, where you're going to be spending close to $200,000 for a car. If you bump that up to 250 and you can get into a Ferrari, all of a sudden that becomes that much more attractive. So they've been able to capture some of that market by expanding their production, which has led to expanding their profits also. Then you have the uh, the codename Puro Sangue, the new SUV that is set to come probably going to be announced next within the next six months, I'd say, uh -huh. uh, which is going to appeal to, again, the, this this high end SUV market. You have the Rolls Royce Cullinan, the Bentley Bentega, the Lamborghini Urus, 
there are a ton of, or even if you look at, you know, the, the high-end uh, Range Rovers, there's a ton of SUVs in that two to $300,000 range right now. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they want to get some of that market share too. So it's not going to be something that's, you know, if you try to get a, the Ferrari SUV, I don't think you're going to be on a waiting list for five years. I think they're going to try and fulfill that demand as quickly, you know, as possible without, without making more than are demanded, right? So Ferrari's goal is to make one less car than is demanded out there in the world. And I think they're beginning to do that, but they can still keep the real high end of their business through their exclusive releases. So, you know, they just did the 812 Competizione, 499 of those cars of the of the hardtop. So um, it's very hard to get. Right. And you have to be a longstanding, very loyal Ferrari client. You have to be a challenge driver. You have to be um, with them for a while in order to get a car like that. So there's still these cars that everybody wants and wishes they could have. But then you also have the more accessible. But for me, I, that still, I think over the long run, it makes me a little bit nervous. But you're also talking about, you know, a company that is just producing, you know, we're not talking about. 50, 100,000 cars, right? You're talking about 10, 20,000 cars. Um, so it's it's still not the huge production numbers that you're getting from the other companies around the world. And then, of course, with their F1 racing um, and all that, you have another huge branding outside of that. You know, there's no Ford theme park out there that I know of, right? <laughs> you have you have Ferrari theme parks for crying out loud. You have uh, you know a ton of the merchandise, and it's just a huge brand. Um, all together on its own. So it's a little different story there. Um, and they're in this sort of growth and expansion mode, which is exciting. What do you think about paying 46 times for these shares, though? Well, uh, it's it's a, it's expensive, sure. Yeah. Um, but so is a Ferrari. Right, right. So you're willing to pay for the growth. Yeah. And in and, and that growth potential over, you know, you can still expand a lot in China right now that North America is still their largest market for Ferrari. So there's still huge growth potential in China, um, India, right? These, these markets that are just now budding and developing where, you know, you would have never thought about having Ferraris over there. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, you have that expansion where you might be able to get into those markets and, and they're huge. The potential there is insane. The American auto manufacturers were working really hard to get over to China just a few years ago uh, when, you know, I remember when having a Buick in China was a really big deal, right? Yeah. So if you like Buicks, you're probably going to love Ferraris. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so Ferrari's still at the top. What about Tesla? Is that still rank high up there? It is the most expensive of the car manufacturers on a PE basis, trading at 145 times. Nobody's cared about the PE ever with Tesla, obviously. But the shares have been kind of interesting this year. They're only up 5% year to date, but they have rallied over the last three months, gaining 22% when GM and Ford have you know, been taking a dive over the same amount of time period. So uh, kind of doing the opposite of the GM Ford right now. But where do you stand on Tesla here? Is this just a reaction to the huge rally it's had basically over the last two years? So it's taken a time out here. If you aren't a Tesla shareholder, should you be buying 
now while it's kind of just you know treading water or or what should you be doing with tesla so we all know tesla is a cult stock because everybody loves elon musk right and if you don't love tesla and elon musk then the tesla rati is going to come after you right, <laughs> right. So i uh i don't want to you know you don't want to say anything <laughs> perspective of course it's insane right it is <laughs> yeah. um but you know you know the argument for the bull case for tesla remains the same you know this is not just an auto manufacturer so, you know so get that out of your head this is an entire energy infrastructure play and in changing the way that you know transportation is going to work moving forward i will tell you that the data that they have collected on the streets from all of their cars out there is priceless every car manufacturer on earth wishes they had the data that tesla had in order to advance autonomous driving and autonomous driving when it gets to that level five is going to be insane we're nowhere close to that right now there's a lot of mishaps and dangerous things that have happened leading up to this point already um but it's you know it, is it a necessary evil you know eventually if, if we want to get to the point where everything is autonomous we're, we're going to have to go through these growing pains but again tesla's data is just it, no one has anything close to that so they're going to be able to leverage that data in the future they are arguably leading the way in the autonomous driving space i think when gm has, has a pretty good product too and ford has something but I, again it's the data that tesla is just dominant so you know that's part of the play and then you know we're talking we were just talking about ubers and, and such earlier i mean you know let's look at some demolition man stuff or is that total recall i can't even remember maybe it was in both movies <laughs> where you, have, you know the, the auto taxis that are going to be driving yeah. place to place right, right. Uh, that it's going to happen eventually you know uh whether it happens over the next five years 10 years or 40 years remains to be seen but tesla right now has a leg up in that and then you know we talk about you know down here in florida People are always talking about the the, the Tesla uh, solar roof because we have I, I get offers all the time for people that want to come and put a solar roof on. Not necessarily Tesla, but if Tesla has a solar roof integrated with that power wall and then you have your car that you can go ahead and plug in that's powered off of your, you know, your, your house and you're not even paying for your, your light bill anymore. I mean, it's it's an interesting proposition. And then when you talk about their network, their supercharger network that they've spent billions on or millions on i don't even know how much you've spent on it there, there's a lot that they've done outside of just the scope of building a car so i that's where the bull case is and the bear case is the pretty obvious one of well that's great and all but you're going against some big time heavyweights in this car industry and eventually they're all going to have offerings that mirror your offerings and they're going to crush you so that's what the bear case is, right? Yeah. That just as an auto manufacturer, they're just not going to have the brand loyalty they think they're going to have, or, or, or they're not going to be able to, to grab those people that are entering the market. So right. that's, you know, that's what makes this, uh, this discussion so great is, is we don't know who's going to win, right? We don't know what yeah. the answer is. And there's a lot of people in the automotive industry who think that uh, Elon Musk is a sneak oil salesman, like, right. like a lot, like a lot of very well respected automotive journalists are not big fans of Elon because they think that he his hyperbole is dangerous and and that's seen by people who are you know on autopilot and they're sleeping in their car you know things like that 
So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But that's one of my most exciting, I think, themes, especially in the automotive world moving forward for the next couple of years is the advancement of autonomous driving and who is really going to win the EV war. Definitely two huge themes. So let's switch over. I want to talk just briefly because we just kind of mentioned it, but what what is happening with the um, like vacation rentals, the car rental market right now? I'm not seeing as many of the articles about how, you know, people are going to Hawaii and they're spending $2,000 a week on the rental cars or a day or whatever it was. That was nuts. But I haven't heard that, you know, they they have much more new inventory either right now. And the earnings are still looking pretty darn good for some of these rental companies. I took a look at Avis Budget. That's the big one. CAR is the ticker. And, you know, they blew it away last quarter. And I think all the analysts were kind of surprised. They are supposed to kind of uh, see a tapering back by 2022 uh, on the earnings, about a 50% reduction by next year after what they're going to do this year. But is this the best of times for the car rentals? Is it over already? It is, you know, should... If I'm in one of these, should I be selling and, and taking some gains and getting out? What what should I be doing with the car rentals? They're just regaining their footing. They don't have the fleet that they used to have. So that's what's constricting them and sort of constricting everything. So like anecdotally, I have a friend who has a recycling business and uh, part of the, you know, they need trucks so that they can go around and pick up the recycling yeah. and they can't find trucks so then they started trying to rent trucks and they can't rent trucks because there's not enough trucks to be rented right so again that shortage is hitting that industry but it's also legally right so some of these you know enterprise got or hurts got in trouble bankruptcy and as part of that bankruptcy they can't add to their fleet for the next few years okay. so even if the trucks were available they wouldn't be able to bring it so that's a major um constriction for them stopping them from making money is they just can't go out and get the units to meet any of the demand. So it's still expensive. I still know personally uh, a lot of people who rent cars out on Turo as a side hustle and do very well. Okay. And that's been, you know, big time. I mean, like, and, and not cool cars, right? They're not renting out Ferraris. Like they're renting like SUVs and pickup trucks on Turo. And so the explain, explain to the people who are listening who might not know what Turo is, how it works. So Turo is uh, the Airbnb of cars. So if you have a car that you would like to rent out to someone, you go ahead and clean it up and take real nice pictures and put it on this app with a price that you'd like to rent it out for every day. And somebody finds you on the app and agrees with you and then comes and checks out your car and rents it for a few days. Turo has an insurance that's available that will cover everything in the event of you know any damage. And uh, they take a percentage of that rental fee and give you the rest. Who covers the insurance on, on that kind of thing? Do you know? Do they have like an insurance that if I want to rent out my car, like I can't, you know, buy insurance from them to cover the, whoever's driving it or? Yeah, you get it through them. Uh, okay. So they have a partnership with Liberty Mutual. Okay. And um, you just basically pick 
what what plan you want from them. You know, you can get more or less depending on you know how yeah. you feel about the. But it says uh, every host plan comes standard with seven hundred and fifty thousand in uh, third party liability insurance from Liberty Mutual. Okay. So they, they sort all that out yeah. for you. And there's um I, I same buddy uh got a new car, put it on Turo, and the person wrecked it like immediately. <laughs> the car and Turo took care of everything. Like the insurance wow. paid out and everything was fine. Okay. And the good news is it doesn't hit your personal insurance, so your rates don't go up. Right. Interesting. Yes, yeah, they have all that. All that yeah, covers. It's almost it's like cool. your own uh, zip car business. Yeah, but you have a tendency to find cooler stuff on there, right? It's, yeah, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not just, uh, you know, your run of the mill type thing that you might find. I mean, you're going to find all types of stuff luxury cars, exotic cars, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I, I just took, once you mentioned the truck rentals, even though this is not a podcast about the truck side, but uh, I just took a quick look at Ryder, which is ticker R, because I haven't looked at it in a while. And the earnings there are supposed to be up uh, 2,870% this year. But it did take a loss of 27 cents last year. But it had a big blowout quarter last quarter. And so the analysts look pretty bullish on it. It's supposed to make $7.48 this year. Um, but yeah, any any kind of these logistics companies, both on cars or trucks, any of that seems you know really red hot right now. Um, yeah, even um, you know, outside of that, uh, you know, people, if you have a car, you want to keep it forever now. So a lot of people are um, you know getting them repaired rather yeah. than keeping them in. Or getting rid of them because even if you it, it's kind of like it's like the real estate conundrum too it's the same thing uh you know if your house is going for you know you paid you paid 300 for your house and now it's worth six hundred thousand, you might be tempted to just go out and sell it but where are you going to go because everything else is expensive right so even yeah. if your car is worth ten thousand more than you paid for it and you go to trade it in somewhere well what are you going to get you're gonna have to pay through the nose for something else so you so anyway they, they end up just keeping them and maintaining them so i, I know there was a good reports uh there's some good reports out of advanced advanced auto i think just uh yeah. had a decent um so these these types of businesses uh should be doing well amongst this backdrop what about the dealers you know who also obviously do the repairs is this going to be like a one of the stronger segments that they have, because most of the dealers are Zach's number one ranks or number twos, the the strong buys and the buys right now, because those yeah. estimates are still going up. So they'll sell new and used cars for you know various different auto dealerships. They're not like restricted only to Ford or Cadillac, you know, whatever it is. So they'll sell all the different cars, and but but they all have you know the the maintenance side. So. What yeah, do you think the, about service that? Arm, the service arm definitely yeah. helps, but I, I'm I'm still worried about just the the inventory restricting their ability to make money on on the selling the cars. Okay, which might outpace any increase that they're getting on the maintenance side and maintenance and repair side. Yeah, I've been uh, keeping an eye on some of those. They haven't pulled back like the actual auto manufacturers, or at least not as much. They're just kind of hovering near those highs. 
And with a lot of them, uh, for various reasons, because a lot of people have already bought their cars, that the earnings are expected to decline for next year. But this year is a record for all of them because of just the sheer demand. Yeah, and, and the demand is certainly there. The problem now is just really inventory. I mean, everybody I talk to, whether it's at a Chevy dealer, Mercedes, you know, high-end Rolls-Royce, Ferrari, it, it doesn't, it, it, finding the inventory is absolutely impossible right now. Or anywhere you look. So what is your uh, views on if investors want to be buying any of these that we've talked about? with the weakness in some of the shares right now and it is september when we're recording this which is notorious for weakness overall in the markets a lot of years should investors kind of put these on their watch list wait and see what develops over the next couple weeks wait until next earnings season and see what they say about you know shortages the semiconductor issue all of that or buy ahead of the earnings because it might be better than everybody's thinking? Or, or or what is your advice on people looking who aren't in any of these yet? I think that it's easy to get caught in the Ford or GM value trap. Okay. Um, because, you know, it seems like a compelling story. Yeah. And especially, you know, with Ford, when you have that divergence and I look for the divergence all the time between earnings estimates and this underlying stock price. I'm yeah. always looking for but I'd feel more comfortable in a in a stock like that if I was at least getting paid to wait around and see what happened. Um yeah. I for I, I think that if you're gonna do an EV company, go for one of the more pure play EVs that has high growth potential but is going to be much higher risk. If you if you really need to be in this biz, in this industry right now, I still think that the advanced auto parts of the world, right, the places yeah. that sell parts or do repairs, is going to be where it's at right now. The the dealer thing, I think, burned out already. Um, I I think it came and it left, and well, it's maybe not there anymore because. Now you're going to see them get hit with that lack of inventory across the board, which will lead them to not be able to sell as much. So I think that looking at the retail and wholesale parts, so the automotive retail and wholesale parts industries in the top 4% of our Zach's industry rank, that's where Advanced Auto is in. Uh, but if you look at you know O'Reilly or AutoZone, those are both in the good graces of our Zach's rank, and I think those should continue to do well here over the foreseeable future and again the argument there is people want to maintain their cars they want to keep them on the road because they don't want to have to go out and buy another one because they know how expensive it is so people are definitely spending the money on upkeep and that's a trend that should stay for a while until you know there's some compelling reason for them to go out and trade in their cars and buy new ones which could be the ev story in the future but if you're you know running you know, you have your Honda and it's running just fine and all you've been doing is, you know, oil changes and, and putting tires on it. Uh, you're not going to be that compelled to, to run out there 
and roll the dice on a new EV. So I think it's going to take a little bit, a little while for the dealers to get back in the upper hand. And the, the best way is just by looking at these, these parts places. Yeah, that's a good point because auto prices, both new and used, are at record all-time highs. I mean, I can't even believe how expensive it is even for, say, a 10-year-old car with 100,000 miles on it is, is you know, over ten thousand dollars for one of those. Yeah, cars. the days of being able to spend you know twenty five hundred on a on a right. winter beater in Chicago are yeah. gone. Yes, completely. you don't get that anymore. No, so it makes sense that they you know people are going to try to hold on as long as they can with their their current model. Okay, yeah. so there is a lot going on. I'm sure we're going to talk about this subject again because I do feel like. It's still a popular favorite, as we've mentioned, with investors. There's still just something about cars, the auto industry that people love, and there's a lot going on with it. It is uh, in you know a lot of innovations, and so we'll be talking about it again. Hopefully, maybe you know into into 2022, we'll we'll cover it again and kind of see where everything stands. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to go over all the tickers that we talked about because there were a lot on this episode. So we talked about the auto manufacturers. You can get GM at GM. Ford is F, just F. Toyota is TM. Ferrari is race, R-A-C-E. Tesla, of course, is T-S-L-A. Talked about the um, car rentals. Avis Budget is the biggest one. It's car, C-A-R. I mentioned the truck rentals, Ryder, which is ticker just R. And then we talked about the auto uh, parts guys. Advanced Auto Parts is AAP, as in Paul. AutoZone is AZO. And O'Reilly is O-R-L-Y. And as always, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Market Edge, because who knows what we're going to be talking about Next week, there's so many hot areas of the stock market and the economy right now in 2021. So you can get us on SoundCloud. You can get us on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on all the big platforms, but get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.